Welcome to Life's a Beach. I'm Bruce Hopkins, better known as Hoppo from Bondi Rescue. Each week I'll be sharing some stories, the good, the bad and everything in between. I'll be chatting to guests about their life experiences and giving our listeners an insight to the challenges we have faced in our lives. We'll share a few jokes and some banter along the way and hopefully our experiences will resonate with you. As the saying goes, while life's a beach, it can also be a bitch. Hey everyone, this week on Life's a Beach, I've got Rhiannon Ifland in the beach shack and she grew up in Newcastle, started doing some diving as a young kid and moved on to bigger and better things where she is now the six-time Red Bull World Champion and also has gone around amazing locations all around the world and is still competing in the cliff diving, which is absolutely mind-blowing by what she can do. So let's sit back and have a listen to my chat with Rhiannon. This week in the Beach Shack, it's a pleasure to have Rhiannon Ifland. She's uh, remarkable on what she does. It's something that I did say couldn't do as I'm scared of heights. But anyway, we'll, t- we'll go through her story and, uh, and, and have a chat. So Rhiannon, how are you uh, today? I am great, thank you. Thanks for, for having me here with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's it's great to have you in and, and, and talk about what you do. It's unbelievable. But to start off, you grew up in Newcastle. I did. I um, I was born and bred in Lake Macquarie in a sleepy little town called Nordtorf. Spent most of my childhood there and uh, running around and running a market at Catherine Hill Bay in Nordtorf and Newcastle. So, yeah. Funny enough, I've just done, did a down, I do a lot of downwind paddling and we did a race from uh, – from Catherine Hill Bay back to Sponsy Belmont, the round Moon Island. So it was a, yeah, so I know where whereabouts the area is. Yeah, it's um it's a it's a beautiful spot, definitely, that's for sure. Now growing up, did you do multiple sports or did yeah, how did uh you know diving come about? Actually the the first sport that I did, my mum for some reason put me in uh, in dance classes. So uh, I did that from about four till till 10 and then realized that that definitely wasn't for me but yeah as a kid I, I definitely dabbled in um in a whole lot of different sports I was very outgoing and and I love to I love to be to be outdoors and and trying new things so I think I played like tennis surf life saving as you do growing up in uh <laughs> in a place like that you know soccer hockey everything at school uh, I just love to do and then I started trampolining gymnastics uh, at around the age of 10 and that's how I got into diving you know through some some mutual friends and my mum took me to Lambton pool one day and and that was the that was the the way forward I never really looked back and did you find that was fun you you really enjoyed it (laughs) yeah absolutely I think definitely at at that age um and and I was a kid that you know my pop used to call me his water baby you couldn't pull me out of the water so I had a lot of fun there and it I think what drew me to it at a young age also was the social aspect of it, um, which was which was fun. And I guess I guess you know that the adrenaline and, and the excitement of it all. And how high were you diving at that age? <laughs> Look, it, it felt a lot higher than it was back then. <laughs> I was diving well at that age. I was diving one meter, three meter, and five meter. I think that's it's kind of the natural progression. You know, you don't run a marathon before you before you run a hundred meters. 
So, yeah, uh, just one metre, three metre and five metre. And then as I got into my teens, I started to dive on 10 metre and, yeah, little by little. And did you find the gymnastics and doing the trampoline actually helped when you went into diving? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, being on the trampoline and I grew up at, I, I went to Belmont High School and, and we had a, um, the, my trampoline coach was a teacher there. So every single lunchtime I was in bouncing around on the trampoline and I think gymnastics from, from a young age definitely helped build the fundamentals and the coordination. And I think also like mentally in a way, um, it helps because the more you do it, the easier it becomes to kind of overcome those those blocks that you get when learning new dives and skills. I mean, just, yeah, helps you to helped me to be a little more confident. Did you start doing competitions because you wanted to or the coaches thought, look, you, you've got a bit of talent here. Let's throw you into a couple of comps. Yeah, I think in the beginning, I think it was more it was more from my side. Like I think growing up as a kid, I I kind of just used to do what I wanted to do, <laughs> and I was lucky that that my parents kind of backed that. Um, so for the first couple of years, it was because I wanted to do it, and yeah. But then after that, it was kind of you know the coaches the coaches pushing you in that direction and saying, Hey, you could be good at this. Or I think, I think we can, we can make something out of this. So that's kind of where it started, but it was a bit, a bit older through my teens. And there was the plan then to go to the Olympics. Was that on the agenda? Yeah, it was definitely on the agenda. Um, in, in my younger years from about 15 to 18, that was definitely the main focus, uh, diving 10 meter and, I did a couple of youth Olympics and started to compete internationally. And then I kind of just got a little bit burnt out. So I, I didn't, didn't quite get there, but at that stage it, it was okay. I was kind of done with the sport. So yeah, I guess, I guess as an athlete and putting so much time and effort into something when you're that age, you kind of, that's kind of everyone's goal, you know, as a little kid, it's a cool dream to have, you know, to, to go to the Olympics and represent your country and something you love. So it was definitely, a, it, was, it was definitely on my mind. So tell us a bit about, you know, the burnout, because I see it a lot in swimmers. Swimmers get the same sort of thing. They burn out. They start so young, you know, by the time they're 18 into early 20s, they're, they're just about done. Yeah, look, I think, um, I, I think, well, with swimming and diving, it's probably somewhat similar. Um, it's you're in the same atmosphere all the time. You know, the pool's always the same. You're doing training the same skills. For me, it, it just got a little bit repetitive. And, and I think a lot of people fall into that, you know, social temptation when you start to, to turn 17, 18. There's a lot of uh, temptation around you. And I think it's, it's, it is, it's really hard to, to stick by it. So, yeah, I, I think for me, it was just the repetitiveness of it. And, and I was kind of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I was on that, you know, on the verge of making the, the open teams. And for me, I actually had one, one really bad dive that, that pushed me over the, the line. And I said, right, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. So it was one competition. It was a national competition. I was about to make a open team and it was the last dive. And I, went into a handstand and, and I fell off and completely belly flopped. <laughs> and, and that was it. It was kind of that, that was, that was the end. I was done. And after that, did you feel as though like, was it hard to, to then think, well, I'm not going to go back? Or did you think of another career from the, at that point? <laughs> yeah, I think I was, look, at that stage, I was, I was kind of a little bit lost. 
obviously, you know, put so much time and effort into something and it became almost everything I knew. I had goals of becoming a police officer. That's really what I wanted to do at that age and, you know, went through all the applications and yeah. So I guess I thought that, that I was done with competition and diving and I actually, I went to travel and, uh, you know, find, find what I wanted to do a little bit, take a bit of a break and then come back to see, to see what I actually wanted. So then that moves on to the next part is, is how did you get into cliff diving? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we just spoke that, that I was done with competition and it was, was one random day I was at home in Nords Wharf and I got this random email at the age of 21 from a, a mother of a friend that I used to dive with and she said, hey, I've got people asking for, for divers to work on a cruise ship in, in an aquatic show. Um, and at that stage, like I was 21, I wanted to travel, I wanted to have fun. And I went, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm going to take that. I might do one contract and, and then I'll come back and join the police force and, yeah, get on with, with life. And, um, yeah, from there I, I ended up doing like four contracts and I met a bunch of uh, colleagues and other divers that were involved in the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series and that were competing in high diving. And um, in high diving, like it's a combination of, the skills from trampoline and diving. So I'd always followed the sport because I thought I found it really cool. Um, But it was kind of that moment that I was having fun again in the sport and real that I realized that, that I had the skills and, and I had what it, what it would take to, to get there. And yeah, I guess I saw that and I just went, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. Why not? Let's go for it. So. So, so really going onto the cruise ships and doing that really, got you back into it and then that sparked you know oh, i'm gonna have another crack at something different but on the cruise ships what, were you just diving to the pool or what was <laughs> how, how did that all work yeah it was um like it was a, it was a proper show we did two different shows there was a pool there's i think there's like seven different ships at the moment which have diving shows so i was diving three meter ten meter they had 17 meters and then they had trampoline and then i was also dancing which was which was horrible <laughs> but yeah so it was it was shows and yeah all set out kind of like circus lay style yeah really really cool experience so tell us about the, the the cliff diving because obviously that's way higher to what you'd been used to <laughs> what, what, how was your very first jump that you did <laughs> look i think i would it's such a blur that very first dive um i remember i remember climbing up the ladder and thinking to myself, is this actually what I want to do? And like, I still, I still have it now where, you know, you start to climb and you get to like 15 meters, 16 meters, and you look down and then you look up and you kind of think, oh shit, I'm, I'm still not there yet. Like, <laughs> is, is this high enough? So I definitely had those feelings. And, but I mean, it was a gradual process. Like I went from 10 meter to 12 meter, 14, 16, 18, 20, um, and then above. So it wasn't like it wasn't such a huge shock to the system, but I, I can still remember, you know, hitting the water and, and just feeling like hooked immediately. <laughs> such a <laughs> cool amazing. feeling. It's very hard I, to I, explain how it actually feels. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think I'd struggle to jump off 10 metre, but uh, <laughs> with, <laughs> with my fear of heights. But <laughs> I'll have to give you a lesson one day. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tell us about your first competition then. You've gone to that point to um, – because cliff diving, you're landing feet first, whereas 
you know, your 10 metre platform, you, you're diving head first. Yeah, correct, correct. I think it's like it's just the impact. Like anything above 12 metres, I wouldn't land head first just because of the impact on the neck and the, the shoulders and the upper body. Um, but my first, my first event, actually that first event didn't go so well. I think I turned up a little bit underprepared and, yeah, I, I think I came last by like 100 points almost. <laughs> you know, everyone was kind of looking at me and, now we joke about it. Um, a lot of the divers are good mates of mine, and we, we joke about that competition. So that was the first one, and then I got invited to compete in 2016 in the USA. I remember I was I was totally petrified, and <laughs> on the way to the airport, I think I actually cried to my dad saying, like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't want to embarrass myself. It's so scary. And, yeah, just, like, super overwhelmed and all, and, he kind of said to me like, well, you can't do any worse than the last competition in the nicest possible way. So just go there and, and give it give it what you got and, and enjoy the experience. And I actually won as, as the rookie and I continued to, to go on and, and be have a quite successful season. So I'm definitely glad that I listened to, to good old dad's advice and, and went and gave it another shot. And was that the first world championship you won? Correct. Yeah, 2016 was yeah the first World Series that I won. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And and then you just continued <laughs> on. And uh, uh, how many have you won since then? Oh, six and three World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for my going for my seventh in in four weeks' time. So yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to look back at that or to think back to that first competition that I didn't even want to go to in Texas and and to now, you know, making a making a career out of it and yeah, just it's it's really cool. Where is the next competition as you said in 4 weeks? Uh the the final of this year will be in Auckland in the in the viaduct in Auckland. So New Zealand, nice and close to home. Second best place after <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, and all the events are run. It's Red Bull uh, behind the events. Yeah, so we're we're involved in in two different um, corporations. So Red Bull runs the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series, which is a series of um, seven to nine events per year, and then we also have. We're under World Aquatics as well with World Cup and, and World Championships. With the diving, obviously there's a risk comes with it. What, how's the, the safety side of it? Yeah, look, it is a risky sport, but I, like, I will have to admit I know the risks and I, I know that it's a dangerous sport. At events, there's, there's a full safety team there with us, usually one permanent who comes, he comes the whole season and then there's usually four to five safety divers in the water and just like, you know, being the first responders and, and making sure if something happens on impact that, that, um, that there's no issues there. But they're also there to do all of the checks, you know, the depth checks and, and make sure everything's okay in, in that regard. So, I mean, it's, it's risky and, and you know the risks, you know, you're doing multiple somersaults and twists and things happen, but things happen in any sport. You know, injuries happen in, in anything you do. So I guess it for me, it's like a matter of just doing everything I can behind the scenes in the pool, in the gym to, to mitigate those risks and to make sure that I'm doing good dives consistently. And when you land in the, in the water, how deep do you actually go when you've, you've come down from that height? 
It's actually not as deep as, as you would think. I, I like to think it's about four and a half meters. Usually, usually I use like four meters as a minimum depth because you can slow yourself down faster. Some people go deeper than that, but yeah, usually like four and a half to five meters. And what trainings evolved? Like, as you said, there's, yeah, you dive into the pool, you're probably still doing trampoline. What other physical work do you do to keep fit to be able to do dives like this? Look, I like to say that surfing is, is good fitness for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the training that I do is, is on 10 meter and kind of like conventional style diving, like what I used to do at the moment. I'm, I'm training here in the pool every day. And, you know, in the gym, just trying to get stay strong and make sure that I can withstand those impacts time and time again. And then, yeah, as you said, there is a lot of work in like the gymnastics hall, especially if you want to build new dives or have new ideas. You know, you want to be doing the somersaults and the twists and the, the technique and takeoffs like time and time again. So, yeah, that's that's more or less it. And and actually, like we don't we don't train the exact heights as often as you would think just because of the impact and because like facilities are are limited so I'll do all of my training in the pool and break the dives down into into three parts so train like the takeoff the rotations the somersaults and then the entries and then when I get to the events or or to a facility I I put it all together but I think one thing with me also like over the years is I always try and you know, keep it as raw and natural as I can and still find cool locations to dive straight from the, the cliffs, which which is one of my favourite parts of, of the sport. Well, I was going to say, because I, I've looked at some of the footage and some of the dives you've done and just the locations are unbelievable, amazing around the world. You've been everywhere around the world jumping off cliffs and bridges and I think anything you're getting fine that's got water under it, you've jumped <laughs> off. Yeah, that's that was the goal. Look, I... I kind of, um, like I've been diving like 22 years now. So I kind of said to myself a few years back, like, okay, I need to find a way to keep myself fully invested in this and like, and just st- stay in love with the sport. So I, I really wanted to, to set myself that goal to dive from the most unique and, and cool and quirky places that I could. Still a few in mind. Um, and st- any, if anyone has any ideas for me, feel free to, to shoot them across. <laughs> But but yeah, it is. It's it's an amazing experience to to have the opportunity um, to to do all those kind of cool and and awesome projects. And and when you choose one, if other people are dived off those locations, or if they haven't, you've got to check the depth. You've got to check the you know the that it's okay to dive. Have you ever had problems where you thought it'd be good, but it wasn't? It was too shallow, or something wasn't right. Yeah, there's there's definitely those occasions. I think like most of the time, it's we had one. In, I did a project in Guatemala this year from a waterfall, and like we were in the middle of nowhere, and and we we weren't sure exactly of how deep it was, and we checked it for like four hours. I think like we stood there to get the angle right. There was water rushing everywhere, and and you know it was it took us like 4 hours to to actually dive there so it's if it's a new location and we're unsure it's just not usually worth the risk or then again it it depends if it is worth the risk um, but yeah no i i haven't dived anywhere that's too shallow um, i think i think that would just be a bit silly of me so yeah so what's the depth got to be for when you're diving say your 20 metres, how deep does it need to be before it becomes too shallow? 
Uh, I would say like below 3.8 metres, I starts to get a bit shallow. Like it is possible because you hit, you can hit the water and like bring your legs up or slow yourself down faster or just land a little bit over rotated so you don't, you don't go as deep. But yeah, past like 3.8 metres, I start to get a bit, uh, a bit hesitant. What's your favourite location out of all these years? Is there a favourite location of diving or that's just too hard to work out? This is like the most difficult question for sure. Look, I, I really liked, I dove in Kakadu in Catherine Gorge or Nick Maluk Gorge a couple of years back. It was, it's been my highest dive to date at 24 metres. And I would still say that's been one of my favourite places to dive just because of the whole, like the whole trip and, and the culture and the atmosphere and just it was so remote and just absolutely stunning. It reminds me a lot of, you know, you do your competition. It's like surfing, the pro tour. They, they surf the competitions. Outside of that, they're finding these remote locations with waves and, you know, they're, they're videoing them for movies. And it's sort of similar, isn't it? You're traveling around looking for these locations that are just unbelievable to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, some people think I'm a little bit weird because sometimes I look at like the rock formations and, and now just naturally I'm like, oh, look at that. That's beautiful. Imagine if there was water underneath there. So, yeah, I think like it, we're in nature's playground and, and that's that's the thing now. We are. We're traveling around. Well, I am. I'm traveling around um, always looking for different possibilities. So it's it's awesome. And with some of those rock faces, you've obviously got to climb across and up to get to that level to, you know, to, to dive off. So that's also <laughs> must be challenging. I, I, I just, I'm in awe of what you do because I'm just, I can't, I'm struggling to walk out and, and on a high rise balcony and look over, let alone trying to think I'm going to stand up on it and jump off. Yeah, I think, I think the climbing becomes um, less scary when you know what you have to do after you get there. Um, (laughs) so I I think for me like that's why the climb isn't as scary and I mean if usually if they're if they're risky climbs I'm always harnessed in so but yeah it's it's sometimes a little bit nerve-wracking and you go okay how am I going to get there but it's all it's all part of the adventure you know it's it's all about the search and it's about getting there and and pulling it off it feels so much better when when there's a challenge you must get a massive adrenaline rush when you're doing this yeah, that's one thing that, that never goes away is the, the fear of it all and the adrenaline and, and just the feeling like it doesn't matter how many times I dive from, from those heights. Some are scarier than others, yeah. Some obviously in controlled environments aren't as – there's not as much adrenaline involved as, as others. But, yeah, it, it never, ever goes away. But I think if you speak to a lot of athletes in whatever sport they're doing – They've all got that nervousness and, and, you know, the fear factor because that you need that because otherwise you can make mistakes if you don't have that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like to an extent, I think, I think those feelings are, are one thing that draw a lot of athletes back. I think speaking personally, that's, that's one reason that, it, you know, I, I keep going back. I always get asked the question like, why do you do it if, if you're so scared? It's And it's because like overcoming those feelings and using those feelings and turning it into an energy is like, is a feeling like no other. But it's interesting that you say that because I guess when I'm competing and, and there's more at stake, 
I'm more in this hyper focus. I tend to get things right more than when I'm like super relaxed. So yeah, I, I guess it I guess it is. It is something that I've not really thought a lot about, but yeah. I noticed you you did an event in Sydney. How was that? It was mind blowing. It was it was absolutely incredible. You know, never <laughs> never would I have thought, you know, that little young Rhiannon at Lampton Pool would be you know, winning a world title and diving in front of the, directly in front of Sydney Harbour Bridge and Sydney Opera House and family and and just having like, you know, 17,000 people there cheering me on. Yeah, it was was an incredible event and definitely it's it's at the top of my list. And I I saw too that you rev the crowd up, getting everybody (laughs) involved and yeah, it must have been a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess it... (laughs) I, I really love to, to have the energy of the crowd and, and in, you know, have them enjoy it as well. Maybe it comes from my days doing show diving where, where I just enjoyed that. But I think it also feels like you're not so alone up there. That's one thing for me. You know, if you rev up the crowd and, and kind of, you know, take the energy from them, it, it doesn't feel like you're standing and looking over the edge 22 metres alone by yourself. You know, you've got that support. You've got that energy. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It just looks so far up, so high that um, <laughs> it, it's got this person at the top of it ready to jump off. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, um, it, it definitely looks higher up there. And, but I, I sometimes think it, like, it, it changes in different locations. Like some places it looks higher than others. For instance, if it's like an open body of water, it doesn't look as high as if, you know, there's, there's things around or if there's like buildings around or higher cliff faces, it doesn't look as high. Sometimes that can catch you off guard <laughs> if you haven't measured properly. <laughs> You're rolling down the windows on the way down. <laughs> now, your, your best dive, do you reckon that was in Sydney or where do you think your best dive was? My best dive? Depends at which way you look at that. No, it would definitely be in Ireland in 2019, I believe it was. It was my most difficult dive, probably the most rewarding one I've done. I was actually I was actually in tears like 10 minutes before it because I'd pulled my groin a little bit and I wasn't sure if I was going to continue. Yeah, managed to push through that one. It was it was like 12 degrees outside and yeah, I put it down for straight tents and it was kind of it's kind of one of those dives that I, you know, take two steps forward and then two steps back with and it's just hard to always get the technique right. So I guess it feels really rewarding to to push through all those things and put it down for straight tens. Haven't managed to do it again yet, but I'm <laughs> I'm aiming for it. <laughs> maybe uh maybe the next four weeks that one will be another another yep. ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. That's that's definitely the plan. It's always the plan. Now, are there a lot of young girls watching what you do and coming through now? Is the sport getting bigger? Yeah, I, I think so. In the last in the last five years, we've definitely have definitely seen a growth in the sport, like a huge jump um, in terms of, of numbers and in terms of degree of difficulty of dives. And yeah, it's it's really special to see. You know, it's come a long way in, in the last five years from the girls that I was looking up to and, and wanted to be there diving next to them. And, yeah, now to see that, that I'm in a position like that where I'm watching younger girls want to be there and, and um, you know, there's a lot more opportunity now with this sport. We're pushing towards Olympic Games and there's a lot more facilities popping up over the world. And, yeah, it's 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 really nice. And 
it feels very, very cool to, to kind of be a pioneer and, and to help push the, for, the sport forward and, and to hopefully push it into the, to the Olympic Games because I know every day at the pool I see so many young girls just, um, you know, diving away and they have big, big hopes and goals and I hope they can uh, aspire to, to come over to high diving one day. Yeah, and what's the longevity of high diving? Is it just how well you keep yourself, your body fit and, and also mentally to be able to do it? Yeah, I think, <laughs> look, if you don't want to be there, it's not an easy sport to do. <laughs> um, that's, that's definitely one thing. But, yeah, look, there's been divers that I've seen dive well into, into their mid-40s. So I guess, yeah, it really just does depend on, one, how you treat your body, how you look after your, your body and mind, how long you can stay passionate about the sport. But I think the thing is, like, it's beginning in the sport, it's a little bit older than, say, like diving or gymnastics just because you do – it's, like, crucial to build the fundamentals and the basics before you go up and do the dives at that height. So I think a lot of more experienced divers come in um, at a later age. And what would you say to, say, a young girl or boy come up to you and said, look, I want to get into diving? What, what, you know, the, remembering when you were that age, what would your advice be to them? Have fun. Look, that's, it's so simple. Like, I don't know, I believe a lot of, a lot of success and progression comes from enjoying what you do. So I guess that it sounds really simple, but, you know, work hard and but don't forget to have fun with what you do and stay in love with it. Because I suppose you went through that part where you fell out of love with diving and then gave it away. So you weren't enjoying it anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I found that, that new path and, and I relit the, the flame and, and started to enjoy myself and play and in a way express myself through the sport that, that I started to want to, to be back in the feel the competition and, and start again and, and go for, for new goals. Yeah, so I think I think that happens in, in a lot of sports, you know, and it's sometimes, sometimes sad to see, but I guess, yeah, just keep having fun with what you're doing and, and uh, yeah, don't give up. Now, is there a location you've, you haven't done a high dive that you're, you're looking at, <laughs> you want to do it? Oh, this is always a secret question. I don't know if I should tell you. You don't, you don't have to give it all away. <laughs> hey, Matt, Matt Hall, are you out there? Let's, let's organise something. Um, <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's plenty. Um, and like possibilities are endless. Uh, it, within Australia, I would definitely say I'd love to go and explore the Kimberleys or there's some sinkholes in South Australia. Yeah, there's, there's many. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to keep them a little bit of a secret. <laughs> <laughs> What what's the how high do you think that they'll be able to get to jumping? You said twenty two meters. Is it ridiculous to say that people could go higher? People have gone higher. It's just in the in the competition regulations. That's just the set heights for the men. It's twenty seven to. Obviously, with cliff diving, it varies a little bit depending on the location. Um, females we dive from say 19 to 22 and the males like 27 to 30 yeah people have dived higher i think the world record's like 68 meters or something ridiculous like that (laughs) yeah you won't you won't catch me doing that (laughs) well you wait i don't you'll catch me on the 10 meter let alone uh any any higher than that (laughs) 
Yeah, I remember chatting to you. How good was the FIFA Women's World Cup? Now, you've been to a lot of events all around the world, but, but what did you think of that, for, especially for women's sport? Yeah, that was, that was incredible. I remember the first, the first game, that, the match that I turned up to watch, seeing how many people were outside of the stadium there to support a female sporting event was absolutely was absolutely insane yeah it was I think I think the fact that like the country stopped for a female sporting event like imagine 10 to 15 years ago I I just don't can't see that happening and um yeah now that we're in the position that that events like that are happening and female teams are are um pushing it in that direction is is super special like that was a really really exciting event to come to Australia and yeah, looking forward to, to more events like that where women's sport is showcased the way it should be. I think like the Matildas, that they're, they're more popular than the men's team now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they are, yeah, yeah, definitely. I even went out and bought bought myself a soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> that could be one. You could do a dive and kick the ball yeah. and you know, there could be a new, you could be a new uh, uh, technique. There we go, that. there we go. <laughs> So you've got the event coming up in, in four weeks and is that the end of the season then? Is that and then the next one will be start again next yeah, year? Yeah, correct. So this will this is I think the eighth event, um, the eighth and final event this year. And then next year the first one is actually a, a, a bigger, more important competition. Straight up is the World Championships, World Aquatics World Championships in Doha in February. So after this event in New Zealand I, I have a bit of a break to to take some time and go lay on the beach at Catho. <laughs> <laughs> so this event, how you, how'd you go this year? You you up there again this year? Yeah, this year it was it was a great season. Everything went according to plan, which I'm super stoked about. You know, I think this event I need to stay in the top five to to take out the World Series title again. So there is a lot of a little bit of pressure around that and. It's not an easy feeling to know that you're standing there and, and you're diving three seconds, you know, could make or break a World Series title. So I'm a little bit a uh, little bit nervous, but definitely ready to go for it. And now, how do you keep yourself mentally prepared? Because once you're winning a lot, there's more pressure because everybody wants to beat you. Whereas if you're <laughs> up and coming, you want to beat the main person. But yeah. you're now in the position where everybody wants to beat you. Yeah, definitely. You've got that that target on your back. I would say now, you know, a few years later, it's a little bit easier to deal with. But you know, some, sometimes it's it's not always it's not always the best position to be in. You know, people change, relationships change. Um, as soon as you're on that platform, it's it's game on. But I think one thing that I have learned a- along the way is that I used to keep everything to myself. Now I've really learned to kind of rely and and take advice and not be afraid to take advice from, from the people around me and, and to, to accept that support. Um, but, yeah, I think also one, one other thing that I continually tell myself is, like, don't stress and don't put the pressure on yourself. You're not standing on the platform right now. Just, I guess, it's day by day and, and keep powering through and, and do it how you, you've always done it. It's it's not always easy to, to stay in a good mental place in that in in my position or in 
in that position, but you do it. And uh, I, I think just continually trying to, to find ways to, to stay in love with what I do and, and to make it exciting, yeah, just to keep motivated. And your support team, have you had the same coach for a long period of time and the support around you? Yeah, I, I haven't actually had the same coach. This year I, I moved to the New South Wales Institute of Sport, which which was exciting. So we've worked well together this year. But in, in the beginning years, you know, I didn't have a coach. It was the divers just coaching each other. We were traveling around and, and coaching each other. So, yeah, it's nice now to have that consistent support and, yeah, for somebody to, to know you not only as an athlete but as a person and, and know what kind of support you need mentally as well going into into the events. And, and with the events, there's a lot of travelling involved. So you in, And that probably <laughs> makes it hard for people, but do you enjoy the travel side of it? Yeah, look, I find, like, you always want what you don't have. Often there's times where I'm travelling and, and I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, I wish I was, I wish I, you know, had some more routine in my life. But then when I come home, I'm thinking like, oh, I want to be out traveling and, and um, doing something. But yeah, it's, it's not always glamorous. It's amazing. But I think I've done what, eight, eight return long hauls this year. And the last one was tough. <laughs> uh, the last one for the year, but, but that was tough. Look, there, it has its, its ups and downs like it, like anything you do, but yeah yeah i know because it's i've got had mates that are on the pro tour surfing and same thing it's just that travel it's you know they're carting their boards and their luggage yeah. and from yeah airport to airport and, and it's uh yeah it's hard yards yeah, the long hauls yeah yeah definitely i think like in the beginning it, it was it was a lot more exciting but it, you kind of just get used to it and and then you know the travel just becomes way more draining <laughs> <laughs> So you're looking at, uh, have you got a plan of how many you know, more years you, you're going to compete professionally? Yeah, look, I'm not really too much of a planner, but, you know, <laughs> at the moment I, I can't see myself giving this giving this up unless something untoward happens, touch wood. But, yeah, I mean, at the moment, as long as I can, I can stay on and, and start to, I mean, continue to qualify and stay on the series, I'll be there. You know, and, and um, I, I also want to see, like, how far it's going to go with the women. I don't just want to walk away from the sport. But, yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, like, five to seven years. I don't want don't okay. to say anything too much, but that's, that's okay. the goal. That's the plan. Well, would it be good, though, if it did get the Olympics and you did get a crack at going to the Olympics after all those years <laughs> as a young kid? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be interested to know, like, if, if I qualified and it went there and, and that, that dream came true if I'd hang up the towel or not. Or, but, yeah, it, it, would, it would be magnificent, not only for myself. Like, there's so many other divers um, on the series that have been kind of had a similar journey to me. So it would just be cool as, as a collective to, to get there. And I think also, like, showcase how amazing the sport is and, and how cool it is. That's what it needs, though, because, you know, you've got Red Bull that backs it. You, you need these backers to, to keep the sport going, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're definitely the, the backbone and have helped grow it to, to what it is today. You know, I think it started in 99, um, the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series. You know, it was just kind of an idea. And, yeah, now here we are in 2023. And, um, yeah, look what we're doing. So it's with a little bit of effort and, and support, things can go a long way. 
And the age groups now and the women, are they more around your age or you, you find there's younger and middle and, and sort of older are still doing it? Yeah, when I began, it was it was mainly women like late 20s to 30s and I was I was a, a young comer and I was 24, 25, but now we're seeing like 18-year-olds coming in, but not only coming in, they're coming in with like big dives and and they're coming in with gusto. So <laughs> um, it's it's very cool. It's very exciting to see. Well, that would keep you motivated too, wouldn't it? As you see the younger ones coming through. Definitely, definitely. They're, you know, nipping at my toes and yeah, keeping me, keeping me, um, keeping me going and uh, keeping the technique up and everything like that. But yeah, it's it's exciting, and I'm sure in the next couple of years there'll be, um, it'll definitely help to motivate me. It'll it'll keep me ten years younger for sure. I hope. <laughs> well, good luck with it. Good luck with the next uh, competition. I'm sure you'll do uh, you'll do well. And it's good to Thank see you. how like humble you are as well. And you know you're at the the peak of your sport, but you just talk about it like it's a you know a normal day going to do a normal job. And <laughs> and uh, it's amazing how uh, the, the the way you put the in perspective on on what you're doing. Yeah, I think I think over time like that, it, it becomes natural. You know, I've always grown up being taught to, to be humble and, and to keep my feet on the ground. And I've got people around me to, to help me stay grounded um, and stay <laughs> humble, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, thanks. I really appreciate that. Now, at the end of the uh, interview, I'll do a segment five fun facts. I'm going to throw some... Uh... Questions at you. You can answer them however you want. The first one is, what are the best and worst purchases you've ever made? Oh, dear. I've made a few bad purchases in my life. There's probably 10 hanging in the wardrobe. (laughs) Okay, no, probably this one's a bit weird. Probably GoPros. I have very bad luck with GoPros. (laughs) So the last three GoPros that I've bought, I've lost them like four days after. <laughs> bought the second one, lost it. I bought the first one, lost it. Bought the second one, lost it again. Don't know why I thought it was a good idea for me to buy a third one because I lost it four or five <laughs> days later. <laughs> but I love them so much, I just keep going back for more. <laughs> and the best purchase, I don't know. It's, I mean, at my age, I, I guess my, my first apartment, that was that was pretty exciting purchase. Actually, once I bought my niece for her fifth birthday, like a life-size unicorn balloon, <laughs> and to see the look on her face, yeah, yeah that, that, was, that was definitely worth it. <laughs> uh, cats or dogs, why? I'm not really a cat or a dog person. I like them. I'd probably say if I was to get a pet, probably be a dog because they're more exciting, they're more playful. But, yeah. <laughs> what are you most proud of? Well, I'm a very proud auntie to three nephews and a little niece. And if I'm talking in like in terms of my sporting career, probably probably how mentally strong I've stayed through the last five years. It hasn't always been an easy journey and to stay on top is, has been a lot harder than I once anticipated. And, yeah, just to keep chipping away and, and keep trying to be the best athlete and person I can be. I guess I'm, I'm proud of that. What's the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? I did a project with the, with the, the Alinghi Swiss racing team for the America's World Cup. 
not so long ago. And I'm not sure if you saw the documentary they did on, on the America's Cup, how Australia took over the the win from from the States. And I think that like the most interesting thing about that was the rules. And if you win an America's World Cup or an America's Cup race, then you determine the rules. You choose the country, the boat, uh, when it's going to be held, like they determine the rules. So I found that quite interesting to learn to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yep, yep. I did, <laughs> I did see the documentary. It's, it really fascinates me, the um, America's Cup. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Like I had, I had no idea the extent of it and like everything that goes on behind the scenes. It's, it's really, really cool. Uh, what song do you have to sing along with when you hear it? Look, I'm known for singing in inappropriate places, out loud, <laughs> everywhere. When I'm competing, I'm, I'm singing at the top of my lungs when I'm in the shower, when I'm cooking. So I would say every single song that I know, I have to sing it. At the moment, it's probably <laughs> – I'm a little bit embarrassed with this. Miley Cyrus, Flowers. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it's good. It's a banger. It's a banger. Everyone loves, everyone's got their own taste. Rhiannon, it's it's great having you in the beach shack and uh, having a chat, telling your story, and I'm sure a lot of people will really enjoy it. And hopefully, you know, the young ones might attempt doing some diving themselves. Come on over. I'll be ready to have a dive with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Hoppo. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Now let's go to Beach Banner. Okay, this week in the Beach Shack, we've got Jacko. He's in for a bit of Beach Banner. How are you, mate? I'm good, Hoppo. How are you? Good, mate. Now, we've got mainly New South Wales footy fans on the service. We have got a few Queenslanders. You're obviously a Queenslander. How passionate are you about it? Because there's always that... New South Wales aren't passionate about the jersey, but Queensland are. Yeah, absolutely. I have, um, I absolutely cop it down here. I've been down here eight years and the boys just feed it to me. But um, I've been lucky. And as you wouldn't understand, Bruce, we, um, we play for, for pride up there and it's about playing for our jersey and we love it. And, you know, you go up to a game at Suncorp Stadium, it sort of just gives you chills down the spine. I've got goosebumps just thinking about getting up to that place now. I love Suncorp and I love Caxton Street. So, yeah, I'm a proud Queenslander, but I mean, a lot of the chats with the boys, you know, outside of work, we're in group chats and, geez, I get hammered whenever it's origin time. The boys are into me and luckily I've had some bragging rights lately. But, yeah, I'm a passionate Queenslander and and an even bigger probably Broncos fan first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, the Queensland wrapped the series up early in the first two games this year, so you had a bit of a a win there at... New South Wales came back last night and uh, did anyone give you any heckles after last night's game? I think that if anyone, I think there was a couple of messages, but, you know, if anything was to sort of calm, I could just show the photo of Daly Cherry Evans holding up the shield, mate. So we got the last laugh, but good on you for winning the game. We'll just let you back into it before we just strip it away from you again next year. (laughs) (laughs) There's always good banner about it, but now... You mentioned Broncos, so you're also a Broncos supporter, and they're going quite well this year, but I know the guys give it to you about them as well. 
They do, they do. Well, I think one of the first things, you know, we, I think we might have had a night on on the drink, had a few beers after work one day, and I've shown one of the boys. I've got a, I've actually got a Bronco tattooed on my um on my backside. So um, as soon as they the boys got wind of that, they thought, look at this Queensland bogan. He's got his bloody footy team stamped on his on his bottom. So that was after you know that was after a good time in Bali. I thought, why not? After the Bronx got a win, I said, let's go to the tattoo parlor, as, as you do in Bali. That's been with me since uh, since the Bronx has started doing well. So, yeah, it's been a grim few years, but we're finally starting to hit our straps. So it's good to see. It's been tough. You can ask my partner, Millie. She's, she rides the highs and lows with me, even though she doesn't like it. She absolutely hates it, but um, <laughs> she's good. Oh, I'll probably have to put you in line there. The Broncos fans with the... The South, the Rabbitohs fans as well. We've got a lot of Rabbitohs fans at the at work. So, I've got all my oh, teeth. I've got all my teeth though. Huh? <laughs> We're going to stick by the Roosters, mate. We're not having a good year. We're not having a good year. But anyway, we've had uh, some success in the past. But it's good banner though with everyone. Um, there's probably a few other guys there now that follow other teams. So yeah. it used to only really be Roosters and, and and the Rabbitohs with a couple of strays here and there. But it seems to be the team's a bit more. Uh, Rounded now with a, there's with a, a few, few more teams. Few, few Dragons fans. Maxi loves the Dragons. Yeah, there's a few of us. It's good. It's bloody good down the beach because, um, yeah, whenever we play each other, we try and go to a game together. A couple of the boys have stadium tickets. So I know I've been with you before, Hoppo. It's, it's always fun after work and we can close the beach and get up to the footy stadium. Yeah, that's no, always good. We also got a footy uh, tipping comp. And, you know, you're uh, sitting on top at the moment, I think, last time I looked. I think I'm up there. Yeah, there's a couple of there's a bit of a joke around where people can get the double points. So I might they, they might it might be a bit skewed the way it is at the moment, but um I'll take top spot. It looks good on the on the phone when you open the app anyway. And I look down about seven spots, and there's Hoppo. I think he's about seventh. He's still working there with the Joker up his sleeve. Yeah, I'm going to pull a couple back and then throw the joker in. Hopefully, I can get a perfect round. Well, you've got to stop tipping the roosters, mate. That's your number one. <laughs> mate, Chaco, it's good, mate, having you in the beach, Shaq. So, catch you again soon. Awesome. Now it's time to have a listen to the fans in the mailbag. This week's letter in the mailbag is from Fiona, and she's from Sydney. I'm really enjoying the uh, podcast, especially the uh, sports one, as I'm a sport nut. love uh, all the stories that you get on and uh, chat about. So thanks, Fiona, for the uh, nice message about the podcast, and I'll uh, chat to everyone again next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to Life's a Beach wherever you get your podcasts and hit us up with questions, comments, or follow us on our social media channels, which you can find in our show notes. That's it for today, Beach fans. Stay safe and swim between the flags.